Welcome to the ETAP Podcast, a service of the American Association of State Highway and Transportation Officials. Each month, we'll provide information and insight into environmental issues important to state transportation officials. Thanks for joining us for another episode of AASHTO's ETAP Podcast. My name is Bernie Wagenblast. Washington State DOT historically managed stormwater for safety and road preservation. Washington prioritizes environmental stewardship and regulatory practices using best management practices to minimize pollution and control runoff from state transportation facilities. Washington's stormwater program regulates stormwater runoff from paved surfaces. Furthermore, WashDOT is working to evaluate six PPDQ in the environment. The goal of the study is to evaluate asset strategies for tear contaminant and support salmon recovery planning. Joining us today is Tony Bush. He's the Stormwater Branch Manager at the Washington State Department of Transportation, and he's going to be speaking on the state's efforts and successes in stormwater management and research. Tony, welcome to Ashto's ETAP podcast. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thanks for having me here today. Obviously, we're going to be talking about stormwater management, but for folks like myself who are not terribly familiar with some of the issues around stormwater management, could you explain to us the importance of stormwater management and the permitting process and how it operates out there in Washington state? First of all, you know, stormwater is formed when precipitation hits the roadway or other hardened surfaces and starts to flow off. And stormwater can pick up and transport pollutants like sediments, metals, oil, bacteria, and other chemicals that have accumulated on and around our roadways. And these pollutants that we see in stormwater from roads come from a variety of sources, including particles carried through the air that are deposited on the ground, liquids that could be dripping from vehicles that are driving on the road surfaces, and pesticides and other chemicals used in vegetation management or agriculture along the side of our roadways. And when this stormwater runs off our roads, it carries these pollutants into the streams, rivers, and lakes and the larger receiving bodies that we're trying to protect. And uh, these can obviously have a negative impact on the water quality and habitat. And in addition to impacting the water quality, stormwater flows can cause flooding, erosion, channel scour, and other impacts to habitat and sensitive species. So I'm gonna talk a little bit about the permitting process in Washington state. In our state, the EPA or the Environmental Protection Agency delegated the National Pollution Discharge Elimination System. You'll hear folks say MPDES, which is a type of permit. They gave that authority to the Washington State Department of Ecology. We also have a State Water Pollution Control Act, which designates our Department of Ecology as the Water Pollution Control Agency for the state. And it's our uh, ecology that issues the joint MPDS permit and the state waste discharge permit to large and small, which are phase one and phase two municipalities and to DOT. These are the typical MS4 or municipal separate stormwater sewer system general permits that are for ongoing operations. So ecology also issues our construction stormwater general permits for discharge from construction projects. Typically for design bid-build projects, WashDOT will acquire these and transfer coverage to the contractor. And our design-build contractors uh, get their own permits in Washington State. 
And then, you know, some other permits we may need to get for projects come from the ESA or Endangered Species Act or the Clean Water Act, Section 401, water quality certifications. The permit required stormwater monitoring that we do provides feedback for our highway runoff manual. And our stormwater management approach utilizes BMPs. When I say BMPs, that means best management practices or the ways that we uh, manage stormwater. And these help uh, meet the requirements to reduce pollutants and discharges to the maximum extent practicable. And our monitoring program evaluates performance of these BMPs using guidance in the TAPE, otherwise known as Technical Assistance Protocol from Department of Ecology. And that is required by our MPDS permit. Well, Tony, you know better than most some of the considerations, and there are many, that go into the stormwater planning and permitting process. Things like total maximum daily loads, you have to take into consideration wildlife and ecology, as you were just touching on, and a degree of resiliency as you look toward the future. Tell us about some of the strategies and approaches Washington DOT takes to ensure that all the bases are covered when you're trying to consider all these various factors, if you would, please. Yeah, at the recent um, AASHTO conference in Vermont, uh, I heard a lot of other states talking about PEL, which stands for Planning and Environmental Linkage. Uh, we do this in Washington as well. And these are planning studies, um, especially that we attach to our corridor planning studies here in Washington. And these look at existing stormwater infrastructure, including our BMPs and retrofit need areas, as well as the TMDLs or total maximum daily loads and any known water quality issues. This is when we're asking contractors to look at the condition of existing pipes as well during the projects. We know in Washington state and probably a lot of states nationwide that a large amount of our stormwater infrastructure is reaching the end of its life and could be replaced, especially while a contractor is already on site doing work. So stormwater design must be integrated into the overall design structure and not just tacked on at the end. We found that if you just add it on the end, it can be very costly and it can create delays in a project. So there are three main phases of a washdot project where we can integrate our stormwater planning. The first is in scoping and the programming phase. This is where teams identify water quality and hydraulic impacts impaired receiving water bodies, and look to see if they have any treatment or flow control exemptions. We also identify existing site contamination, any Endangered Species Act listed species, and any critical habitat. We then look at our stormwater features inventory for existing discharge points, existing BMPs, and start considering the potential BMPs to add to our system. This is also the time to look for connections to our stormwater system for who is discharging into our system. So any of these connections need to have a stormwater utility discharge permit from our utilities office. And often we're finding illicit discharges or ones that aren't legal. And we work with the folks that are putting stormwater into our system to make sure that it's clean and meeting our permit obligations. So the second opportunity is in the design and environmental review phase of a project. This is where more formal evaluation and documentation of stormwater impacts is completed in our hydraulic reports. We determined what permits will be needed and begin to coordinate and document 
what is needed for those permits. And we complete the NEPA and SEPA documentation. And for the ESA or Endangered Species Act, we determine if individual or our programmatic consultation will be used. And the final phase is permitting and PSE, which is plan specification and estimates. And in this phase, we obtain our environmental permits. We complete the stormwater pollution prevention plan and the temporary erosion and sediment control plan. And this is where we would finalize the uh, design for any BMPs that we would be using in the project. Well, we're talking a lot of initials during the uh, discussion today. And, and one of the new ones that has to be considered is 6PPDQ. Tell us what that is and why that is a, a new consideration that state DOTs have to look at as they're planning stormwater uh, processes and permitting. So 6PPD quinone or 6PPDQ is a byproduct of the tire additive 6PPD. And this is a chemical added to all tires to prevent tire rubber from cracking. It's used to improve the safety and longevity of tires. And it's really been used in tires since about the middle of the 1960s. And as the 6PPD interacts with oxygen, ozone, and temperature fluctuations, it transforms into 6PPD quinone. People have been noticing for decades that coho salmon were dying in urban streams before they could spawn or before they would lay their eggs. And this was during or just after uh, rain events. So this led to a hunch that there was something in the stormwater that was lethal to the coho. This was an unsolved mystery until the discovery of 6PPD quinone, which was recently identified as to why the coho were dying before they could spawn. This is called the urban runoff mortality syndrome or pre-spawn mortality. And Washout helped fund the research to discover 6PPD quinone in December of 2020 by the University of Washington Tacoma researchers. And while early research shows that 6PPDQ is most deadly to coho salmon, it also indicates harmful effects to other species as well, such as rainbow trout, steelhead, and brook trout. The reason treating 6PPDQ is also important in Washington state is because the state is home to many endangered salmon species and our iconic endangered southern resident orcas. And these orcas primarily feed on these specific salmon species that are having issues from the 6PPD quinone. So there's still a lot of unknowns about this chemical, and there's a bunch of research still happening. Tire companies have started searching for an alternative, but we know it's going to be a long time before a replacement is found. And all the tires that contain the compound are off the roads. So it's clear we need to find solutions to remove as much of it from the stormwater as possible while the industry is looking for a solution to get it out of the source of stormwater to begin with. What are you doing to try to remove it from the stormwater? What are some of the tactics that Washington State DOT is taking? Well, we've learned that the uh, BMPs that utilize soils and vegetation are really good. So these are called bioinfiltration BMPs. And the, the early research in the laboratory suggests that using different types of soil media and vegetation that mimics what's actually in the natural landscape is the best for removing 6PBDQ before it enters the natural water bodies where salmon and other species that may have sensitivities to this exist. 
And so, you know, a lot of the, the research we're looking at is around these types of BMPs. And we're really looking to look for the best ways to inform decisions about how to spend limited funds for treating 6PPD to solve this problem. And really the best way we can do that is to leverage what we already have in the ground. There's a lot of BMPs that utilize slopes and, you know, what would look like a ditch along a roadside. But within that, we have specific plants and soil media that will really help reduce uh, 6PPD when it comes at the end of our pipe back into the environment. I know there are quite a few projects, construction projects and other projects in Washington state that you have to be concerned with when it comes to stormwater management. But one of the big ones is the I-5 Ship Canal Bridge Urban Stormwater Partnership. Tell us what that is involving. With the new funding that the legislature provided to treat 6PPD in stormwater, we got a total of $500 million over 16 years to help address this problem. And with that, uh, $6 million has been designated solely for the treatment of stormwater under the I-5 Ship Canal Bridge in Seattle, and this drains to Lake Union. This is an important salmon migration route and is a source of commingled, largely untreated stormwater from a very large outfall also known as a super outfall. And the intent of this project is to demonstrate potential for a large multi-jurisdictional stormwater park in the Puget Sound region to treat really high volumes of 6PPD and other pollutants and for WashDOT stormwater retrofits to integrate into community needs in an urban area. And so when I say, you know, integrate into other community needs, this is really working with the community, reaching out to see what other needs there are in these locations and really activating the right-of-way space, you know, maybe under an overpass in an urban area. This could be adding lights. It could be adding art and areas for the community to sit on benches, um, other green spaces, potentially connecting trails and corridors for pedestrians and bikes, and maybe even putting in some areas for boats to enter a waterway or something like that. And for this project, we're participating with the Nature Conservancy and Department of Ecology in Washington State. And we're in the scoping phase right now, trying to figure out how much of this very large polygon of a contributing area of stormwater we can actually treat in a fairly small footprint in some of the areas underneath the right-of-way that DOT already owns. And so we're really looking at the most efficient flow control and pollutant control BMPs that are on the market right now. And again, we're working in areas of very limited right-of-way. What we know about 6PPD Queenone is often we're gonna find the highest concentrations of this, probably in urban areas where there's more tires and vehicles on the roadway. And so we're being forced to really look at stormwater management in more urban locations that do have less green space to work with. So I talked about soils and vegetation being really good and, and those require space to have really good treatment. So there's um, proprietary or private BMPs that are being developed that really can help us work in smaller areas being as efficient as possible with space and really trying to do our best to remove the contaminants that we're discussing today. You mentioned the half a billion dollars that's been set aside for the green stormwater infrastructure over the next 16 years. It's a lot of money, 
but 16 years is also a rather long period of time. How are you going to maintain that over that period of time? As I mentioned, the Washington State Legislature designated the $500 million over 16 years to treat WashDOT infrastructure statewide. And they've really pushed us to have an emphasis on green infrastructure retrofits. And they also gave us some additional guidance saying these retrofits should be based on salmon recovery and ecosystem health, reducing toxic pollution, addressing health disparities, and cost effectiveness. And so right now we're updating our stormwater retrofit prioritization tool to account for where we think 6PBD queen known is most prevalent in the environment in areas near salmon bearing or natural water bodies. First of all, we know this isn't enough to address all the stormwater needs in our state. We have a le- very large geographically diverse state. And, you know, we also have the issues of working with the private contracting world in that one, we're trying to deliver the largest, most aggressive fish passage project in the nation where we have 10 more years to meet our federal injunction to open 90% of the habitat for fish passage by removing barriers on our highways. And we're finding that there are limits to the capacity that the public and private sector have as far as delivering projects across the state. And there's a lot of other big transportation improvement projects that we're working on as an agency as well. So we really need to prioritize where we can spend this money. And so we're looking at a GIS tool that incorporates data that looks at things like average annual daily traffic, coho and salmon bearing presence in streams, the known pre-spawn mortality locations, and looking at the Washington State Department of Health health disparity map. And we also really need to look at getting input from all interested parties. So DOT is actively sharing a survey right now using an ESRI mapping product called Survey123. And this is designated for tribes, local agencies, and other interest groups to provide their top priority locations for stormwater treatment on DOT infrastructure. And participants just simply use a mapping tool and they can drop a point on the map and give us a a little bit of basic data about why this is an important location for treatment. And if they have an appetite for any partnership in treatment with WashDOT. And these priority locations will populate a data layer of all of our partners' priority locations. And this can be then included in our GIS prioritization analysis. So we're looking for a way to elevate these locations in the priority list where multiple entities may share the same location for treatment. And so in addition to the more formal tribal consultation and outreach, this is just one way that we're acknowledging the tribal treaty rights to salmon as we come up with a prioritized list to treat stormwater. And at the end of the mapping exercise, we intend to overlay the six washdot regions and really consider how much each region can deliver by biennium as far as, you know, spreading this out over the 16 years. And we're also looking to spread these out over all the watersheds that DOT infrastructure interacts with with also the goal of you know, helping equitably distribute the stormwater retrofits across a large and diverse state. We know that we need to kind of ramp up slowly because we're so heavy in fish passage and other project delivery as an agency. 
but we also don't want to leave any money on the table after the 16 years. So we're going to have to have an aggressive ramp up and then have some really big delivery years, probably in the middle of the 16 years to make sure we get that all spent efficiently. We have listeners that are joining us from state DOTs across the country. Here's an opportunity to let them know about any unique or interesting projects that WashDOT's involved with that perhaps they haven't heard about. So we have a few pilot projects right now with local nonprofits to activate our right-of-way underneath elevated highways and roadways. These projects are installing bioinfiltration planter boxes under elevated roadways near these fish-bearing waters. These boxes use vegetation and different soil media layers to filter out contaminants from our stormwater before they enter natural waters. The initial research suggests that these boxes should be an effective method at treating 6-PPD quinone and many other contaminants that we're concerned with. In addition to stormwater treatment at these locations, we're seeking community input about additional park-like features that we can incorporate into the projects. Some examples are the pedestrian trail connections, art, education, benches, and other planting spaces around these stormwater treatment boxes. And our collaborations at the nonprofit organizations, the Nature Conservancy and Stewardship Partners, have identified donors that would like to help WashDOT treat our stormwater, especially in the Puget Sound or Salish Sea Basin, and help with salmon and orca recovery. We have the idea to create programs similar to the Adopt-A-Highway, which is a litter removal program, and we'd like to call our new program Adopt-A-Downspout. This would be um, an opportunity to leverage the funding that we're getting from our legislature with private donors and get more of the stormwater treated in a more aggressive timeline. Well, we've been talking on this episode of Ashto's ETAP podcast with Tony Bush. He is the Stormwater Branch Manager in the Washington State DOT Environmental Services Office. Tony, thank you for joining us here on the podcast. Bernie, I appreciate you having me here today, and it was a pleasure to talk to you.